I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. One of the things that I really enjoy about this podcast is the opportunity to talk to different people about their thoughts and their experiences of helping organisations through change and transformation. Uh, on today's show and on the next show, we're, we're looking at um, transformation through completely different lenses than, than, than we have done so far. And today I'm joined by Colin Bell, a fellow operating partner within Dunnacook with myself. Uh, Colin's approach is one of facilitation um, and he offers bespoke coaching and consulting interventions to really unlock the individual and group potential. So his approach is very much a coaching style, very much a, a let's understand you as an individual so that you as an individual can help deliver that change transformation within your team. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Colin. Thanks for agreeing to, uh, to join us today. Um, Morning. Bozier. We work together within Gunner Cook, uh, but I want to get you on this uh, podcast as I believe that you have a, a different perspective on changing transformation that I'd like to explore further today. Um, it, it's probably fair to say that you're not the typical transformation leader um, that we've had on uh, the pod previously. Um, in, some, in so much that you, I don't think you've led major transformation programs uh, but, but equally, I, I believe that we can all learn from your approach to delivering change and unlocking individual and team potential. And that's what I want to sort of explore a little bit further on, on the pod today. So um, let's start, uh, as we always do, by asking you just to do a brief summary of your, your career today and experience that you've, uh, you've built up over that time. Of course, yeah. And uh, thank you in the first instance, Tony, for, for inviting me on today. Um, Welcome. Yes, you're right. I mean, that, that was a nice introduction. And, and yeah, I, I like to think that I'm not um, perhaps typical in, in what I do and how I do what I do. Um, there's, I suppose there's three kind of key parts to um, my career, my background. Um, going back some time, I worked in digital media for uh, about 10 years. I had different roles within that. I was uh, I was an e-business manager. I was head of online, and then I spent the last two years just independently uh, consulting with agencies and clients. And I, I think within that time, like everybody else, I experienced lots of kind of different changes in the market. And I think the final uh, tipping point for me was I think it was around two thousand and eight. Uh, one of the recessions kicked in, and and the industry really really changed and. I think having done it for 10 years, I started to ask some questions as to whether there was another challenge for me. And uh, I, I read an article, and I always tell people this, that I cannot remember anything else about this article or, 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 or where it came from, but essentially it said that everybody has at least two careers. And it just really really resonated with me. And I thought, well, that's quite interesting. And, and, and I've always been, ever since I was a kid, I've always been curious and you know wanting to know more and try different things and see different things and, and quite unconventional I suppose so that that kind of percolated away in the background a little bit while the recession was going on and the landscape was changing so uh, perhaps away from work I've always been quite a keen cyclist and hiker and, and like to do things in sport and, and outdoors and long story short essentially the idea was to think well if I were to change career could I combine something I'm experiencing with something that I love 
And I came up with the answer, yes, without realizing how. <laughs> but I, I then went on to try and figure out what it would look like. And, and either by fortune or effort or luck, that's kind of what I find myself doing now. So my, my path from my previous 10-year career in digital media uh, started out um, in the fitness industry. I worked as a fitness instructor, qualified as a personal trainer, studied sport nutrition, sports psychology, strength and conditioning, lots of things around the body, essentially. Yeah. And as a cyclist, though, the, the big piece of it was a road cyclist, particularly you spend a lot of time in your own head. Yeah. And, and I came yeah. to realize that that's not a great place when you're physically tired and, and your brain's telling you you're done. Um, so a friend of mine recommended uh, an NLP course for me. And, and I know people have different views on NLP and this is going back about 12 years, but it was NLP for sport. And I, I was very open to learning back then. So I was doing every course that I could. So I went along to this uh, session in Manchester and it was brilliant, Tony. It was exactly the piece that I'd kind of been looking for perhaps without realizing it, that I, I applied a lot of these things. I didn't know the terminology or, or the correct um, pronunciation of ideas and things, but without realizing it, I've been applying a lot of this in my previous career and I was in sport. So it, it almost became the missing piece, if you will, to help me, help my clients and selfishly to help myself with sport. So within my business currently now is, is 10 years old, just over 10 years old, and um, probably spent the first three or four years in and around sport, uh, working with individual athletes. I work with a lot of universities and their sports teams, I had some affiliations with British Cycling and, and working with youth programs, which I still do. And then latterly, probably about the last four, yeah, about four or five years, I've gone back to, to the corporate world. And um, it's interesting because I know lots of people make parallels between sport and business and, and equally that has its detractors too, because as I know, you know, they're, they're not the same, but I think the idea is that we essentially, we work with people and we understand a little bit about why people do what people do. And I, I've just been very fortunate to work with some amazing people and I still do. And I've become a lifelong learner. I'm, I'm always trying to learn something. And I think where, where I find myself now is my two kind of passions or areas of interest are around productivity and performance, which the two are different, by the way, I'll just cover that because I have conversations around that, is to think about how I can help people improve or change their situation, how it relates to productivity and performance. Okay. And, and from a sort of change and transformation perspective, um, and as we've said many times on, on, on this podcast, it is about individuals. It's about taking individuals on the journey uh, and engaging uh, individuals um, in an individual way, if that makes sense. And uh, and, and and that's why I thought um, with uh, your experience and, and, and knowledge, it'd be useful just to share some of that experience on, on here because that some of the ways that you will uh, go about improving performance and productivity at an individual level and then at a team level will be equally relevant and, and, and equally applicable to those organisations that are going through change and the leadership of that transformation programme. Absolutely, absolutely Tony and, and that's the consistent thread isn't it and all the conversations you and I have change changes within that change has yeah. always been a huge part of my own personal journey and that of the clients that I work with, whether they are an athlete, a team, or a corporation, 
it, it's about that's how I've kind of identified what the work we do is is to change or improve a particular situation. Yeah. So, what's your starting point typically? There's three tenets to, to what I talk about. So, there's clarity, there's brevity, and there's simplicity. And and I think you know that that very much speaks to productivity and the work that I do because most people are challenged around any of those areas at the moment. So, to to, to really try and understand what we're trying to achieve with the individual, it, it's to get that clarity. So, for my own brain, as much as anything else, just to really simplify it. The process is to ask, well, let's identify what's the situation that comes from the client. That's for me to understand their explanation and, and their uh, view of where they are. Um, the intervention is the next stage, which is obviously where I come in. What potentially can I do and how I can do it? And then ultimately, I guess it's about the result, isn't it? Which is either the change, the progression or the identification of what it is that we want to do. So that's oversimplifying it because... Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, so, so but when you when you mention clarity, is that clarity in relation to what the organisation wants, or is that clarity about what the individual um, uh, would 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 uh, would like to focus in on, or what their uh, personal objectives are, and 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 where they feel that you can deliver maximum impact, for instance, or is it a combination yeah. of the two? Yeah, it's a great question, Tony. And I, and I think it, yeah, it, it works on lots of levels. It would depend on, um, I do work with obviously clients one-to-one. -one, so specifically then it's identifying the individual's requirements in each of those things. But then I suppose the, the, the challenge is, and, and this is often the catalyst within a team or an organization, if people have got different agendas and different desired outcomes, immediately then that presents us with potentially what the opportunity or the challenge is. Yeah. So, but again, I think that comes from this passion I have or this drive to ask really, I suppose it's simple and it's that adage, isn't it? Just because it's simple, it doesn't mean it's easy, but the questions that almost get people to think about it a little bit more. And I've been very fortunate and I am very fortunate that I work with a real breadth of sectors, industries, and obviously sport and business as well. And I think that allows me to, to come in with this kind of unbiased view of things. And, and over the years, many times people have asked or questioned whether it's a sport or a business, what, what do you know about our sport or our sector? And I've never pre professed to be an expert in anybody else's business because I'm, I'm not. Yeah. They're the expert in what they do. For me, it's about, I suppose it's the whole myopia thing that, that I come in with a view of, well, I've seen it in a different sector or a different industry or a different sport. And, you know, I, I modeled the ideas going back from sport, taking ideas from Clive Woodward did something years ago, didn't he, when England won the World Cup. Yeah. Dave Brailsford yeah. did something similar with British Cycling. So it's to take that concept, really, that I'm not too close to it. So I can almost ask seemingly stupid questions, but they often are the catalyst to get people to think, yes perhaps we're too close to it or we need to look at it in a slightly yeah way. I, I think that's an interesting observation actually I, and uh, i remember um sir clive woodward in, in his book winning um yeah. many many years ago um yeah. and, it, and it was partly um a story about the two uh, you know the four-year program leading up to the world cup winning uh winning the world cup should i say <laughs> but 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 secondly a real management book leadership book um, and, and one of the key things I took out of that um, and, and I think is absolutely applicable in, in, in organisations going through change 
is is that yeah you could have the coach the Sir Clive Woodward or the Dave Brailsford person leading it in in in, in maybe sponsoring it or being the, the the figurehead for the transformation but what you need it all the way through that team in their cases and all the way through the organization in in, in uh, um, within a transformation are leaders so i remember sir clive woodward saying he had uh, he, he had um, five or six captains on the team so there was the okay. official captain but they had um, a, a, a leader of the forwards, a leader of the backs, a leader in the scrum. Um, and every stage they had this sort of mini team. Um, and I think there's so much that uh, um, organisations can learn from that. And, and certainly I've, I've attempted to do that in the past when I've been leading transformations is, is breaking that massive team down into its component parts and putting we, we, we call them uh, change leaders, we call them champions, whatever you want to call them, but they are people that can act as that captain in the, in the area and, and be that figurehead and that drive to ensure that we get in consistent messages going through. That's right, that's right. And, and that's very much, yeah, heavily influenced by that particular book, read that a couple of times. And, and, and I suppose because I had an interest and passion for sport, just to share those ideas, not, not suggesting it's a, as a linear as let's just try and be them because it worked for them and they won a World Cup, et cetera. It's obviously, and, and you know this, it's not as obvious or, or as um, oversimplified to suggest that, but it's just the premise, isn't it? If I'm too close to something, it's the same with me and my own business. <laughs> and I've seen it with lots of other people because I'm so passionate about productivity and performance for me to make the assumption that everybody knows and cares the way I do, they don't. And yeah. I get that now, I've made peace with that. So, and, and we're all full of, bi full of biases, aren't we, as people? That's our nature, that's our psychology. So, so I think what I've learned about coaching as, as a rule or, or mentorship, having always you know, been a proponent of drinking my own Kool-Aid. So I've always had coaches, I've always had mentors and, and everything that I kind of talk to my clients about, Either I've studied it in a traditional way or I've been fortunate enough to experience it with clients or with individuals and, and learn, you know, in, in the real world. So it, it's actually evidence based to say we've done this with a person or a team and we learned this and it worked for them. So it, it's an openness, but it, it's very much a fluid way of working for me. And yeah. I think what, what, one of the things that, that I try and do when I work with clients and again, I'm not saying I'm, you know, unique or the messiah in any way, but I've tried very hard to, to cultivate an idea that I learned years ago when I was working in nutrition. I did a program with the NHS uh, around, I think it was to do with diabetes and obesity uh, some years ago. And what, what struck me about the diet in, and nutrition industry, which is obviously a billion, billion, uh, I lose track of how many notes are on the, the value of the industry. But what I learned working with people was a lot of people went through the same process through all these fantastic um, you know programs some people had results some didn't but generally people yo-yoed and I worked with two particular uh, ladies uh, going back to this and they came on this program they're both good friends they started at the same point and that they they both had some success to start with and one lady continued to have really good results and the other lady didn't and she was doing exactly the same thing but she became quite frustrated by that and mm. i spoke to her and I, I you know i took her to one side what one time and there's just the two of us and i said you know you don't seem yourself you're really upbeat and you're really committed and 
she said, well, you know, I'm doing everything that I've been given the information, the ideas, and I'm doing the work, but, you know, my friend's getting the result, and I'm not. And I could see her almost defaulting back to, to type. She said, you know, maybe it's just me and I can't do this. And, and I thought she's been conditioned with that thinking because of programs and things she's done previously. So just, just to kind of move her away from that, and, and this is when I was doing a lot of cycling and my diet was a bit extreme at the time, but I told her, you know, kind of these are the things I eat and would you eat my diet? And she said, you know, God, no, why would I? <laughs> and I said, well, to prove the point is, that diet is, is useful for me. It serves a purpose for me, for what yeah. I want to achieve. And, and I know what other things I could eat and should eat. But for you, what about this very simple premise that this is just an, it's an experiment of one. So we can take the best bits of the generalized information and the standard stuff, but we can personalize it to you. And it was like a light bulb for this lady. And she'd been dieting all her life. And she said, it's just very interesting. that I've never seen it or thought yeah, about yeah. it that way. And I took that into business as well to think about all these different um, people that, we, you know, if, if we're all trained and conditioned and we read the same things and we do the same thing, chances are we're going to see the same way and think the same way. But sometimes, obviously, that, that has a place and a purpose. But equally, from a disruption point of view and a productivity point of view, it can be interesting to go back to this idea. It's an experiment of one. The, the people yeah, yeah. that I work yeah. with who have the success go with that. Uh, and interesting, you know, we, on, on, on numerous uh, previous episodes, we've been talking, we talk about um, when you are kicking off a change programme or, or a major, a major activity, uh, you're likely to come up with some resistance. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we, we, you know we've, we've had numerous conversations about what, you know, the, 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 the titles we put on those people, but the, the, the probably the most common one are the sort of red amber green so the green people will just go with it and they'll like it and they'll enjoy it and they'll they'll they'll, they'll move in, and, and progress in the way that you want to do uh, but at the other end of the extreme there's the, the 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 red people that will 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 look to do anything in the power to to to, to stop it or to uh, or to detract from the objectives and stuff like that and 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 the the way that we come overcome those is very much along that sort of power of one. Let's go and talk to them, and let's really understand why they're thinking in the way that they're thinking, and and yeah. break that down so that we can actually turn them around. You never get everybody, but when you do when you do turn them, they become a real advocate for the change, yeah. and it, and it's about identifying them early. And, and watching and observing and, and as you say that power of one go in and start to talk to them as an individual rather than as one of the collective uh, and, and really get to understand what works what could work for them and how you need to adapt the messaging or the approach etc to make it applicable and and to uh, help them to deliver as much as they can deliver yeah yeah, I think it's right, Tony. I think, you know, from my own experience as well, and again, drinking my own Kool-Aid, I subscribe to that and I found my own path in lots of things that I do. I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but it's almost the Pareto principle, as you say, you're never going to get buy-in, but if it's 80-20, then we can live with that, isn't it? Because if we can get it into the bloodstream by this handful of people who who are, as you say, the early adopters or the change catalysts or whatever they are, then, then great. But I just don't, you know, I can only speak from my own experience and, and the many conversations I've had with people. I just don't think we, we kind of shown that way. It's not conventional, is it, to say, well, 
the, the phrase that I use is you've got to set yourself up to win. You know, yeah. when, when clients often get frustrated or challenged around these things, it's because of comparison to something or somebody else's way of doing it. Yeah. doesn't mean the way is wrong it might just be the wrong way for that person so yeah, yeah. i think that's really important yeah so um you, you touched on three areas one which was uh, the clarity um, yes and i think then you went on to say brevity so yes clar- clarify brevity yeah bre- brevity for me and this is an interesting one because i, th- I think it's a fairly old word word and and one of my um good friends who, who's a great guy in marketing and brand and, and he helped me when I was formulating my idea of what this business was. And I, I think in, in a world that, that's very noisy and very busy for us all these days, I'm somebody who aspires to, I like peace, I like silence, I love the outdoors, et cetera. And, and I think it's really, really important to balance that too. And what, what I also saw was, and I think this is across, um, you know, social media, technology and devices. And, and I also, I think that the real point where it became something that was important <coughs> to me was um, when I was asked to do a proposal for somebody and there were two people in the organization and one of them had said, yeah, we'd like to see this and we'd like to see this and lots of information. But his partner, who was the other director, said, I, I don't need all of that. He just, tell, he, said, he just basically said to me, tell me in as few words as possible how you can help us. Yeah. And it was interesting because the two wanted very different things and, and it made me go away and think about well here we are and and then I thought about my own communications going forward and I think at the time and you might remember this it was it was Twitter I was reading an article about Twitter going back some years ago and they implemented this thing internally and this related to productivity and efficiency that for a period of time they um, put this method of communication in play that they could only use their own platform So brevity. So in, in terms of you and I communicating, if, if there's no uh, boundary on how often I can ring you, email you, the length of my emails, etc., I'll probably just waffle on. But if I only add, I think it was 110 uh, characters back in the day, what it does, it makes me a lot sharper in terms of how I think. If I've got to get this message to Tony in limited characters, yeah. think about exactly what it is. And it was really interesting when I read the article because I thought, that has so many implications in the way we communicate, the way we interact. And what it does, it make, I believe what it makes us do is to, to think a little bit clearer. Rather than me waffle on and tell you 50,000 things, just tell Tony what I want him to know. Yeah. So uh, the idea of brevity was just to that, because I think it gets us to think sharper, clearer and faster to the point and also communicate a little bit better. So that's where the, the brevity came from. No, interesting, yeah. And, and again, that is something that... Um, a one-size-fits-all communication process doesn't work. And you, no. as it comes back to what we've been talking about already around uh, taking people on the journey on an individual basis. So some people will want a lot of detail um, yeah. to, to, to be convinced that that's the right thing to do. Some people just want the headlines um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and clarity about where we're going. Um, and, and, and other people will need a bit of both at different mm-hmm. times. And it's understanding that in, in being prepared to invest the time in the communication, written, verbal, um, through video, et cetera, et cetera, and using all the different media as possible um, to get that, to, to ensure that the messaging lands and, and, and really gets embedded within individuals as well as organizations. So, yeah. So what's yeah. your what's your view um, around 
um, message, put, putting messages out in a very, very simple way, very to the point way. But then how would you suggest and what experience have you had around getting people engaged in discussion? Um, because it's usually the discussion that brings the, the richness out and, and some of the issues out that you need to overcome. Yeah, um, so it, it, it's that sort of some people will call it engagement other people will call it that sort of that that, that discussional aspect hmm. to, to ensure that um, as you say it's not just one-way communication it, it's 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 real communication yeah yeah it's a good question tony and and i think i was thinking about this because i spoke to somebody the other day so um we, we or i've done an exercise for some years with clients and, and I think it came from something I read about a uh, Google uh, approach to something whereby um, from observation I, I've often gone and, and sat in um, meetings sessions with, with teams ju just as an observer to perhaps watch people's interaction and, and engagement etc because I've been asked to do that and what I've done several times with these organizations is to literally just write anywhere between three and five words on a whiteboard my key takeouts that, that I've seen from that session. Yeah. And really, no more than that. That, that as, as you kind of ask there, that, that for me is the catalyst. That, that's not my opinion. These are either words that really resonated or we repeated them or everybody used these words or I get a sense that these are there. So rather than me try and shape the, the meeting or the session or the response, because again, I'm not the expert that these guys are, that usually forms a really healthy conversation because it resonates because again and you'll know this better than i tell me when they're in the meeting of the session people aren't you know perhaps in the detail because they're covering lots of things and they, they move on quickly and there's an agenda so to refresh and look back and say wow this guy's picked out three or five keywords and that resonates and it's given everybody then a voice to say well look tony here's the word i don't know interaction what does that mean to you? What's your understanding of that? And this goes back to the fundamental uh, principle of what I do. It's just about asking good questions, isn't it? It's not to say you, Tony, should have the answer. What does it mean to you reading it? We could then ask the other 10, 12 people in the team, yeah. what's your So, and, and I try and do that in my communication and marketing, actually. Or, you know, when I use social media, I, I don't try and, um, so somebody mentioned to me years ago that, you know, being consistent with the clarity and the brevity and things is just to say, put things out and, and it's there just to get people to think about it. It's not me suggesting this is how you should think about it or what it means. It, it's open, it's very fluid to say, you know, is an idea or is a quote or is a story. It's, it means what you want it to mean, not what I want it to mean. So, so brevity, sorry, clarity, brevity. What's the, what, what, what was the third one? Third one is simplicity. Simplicity. So how, how do you, how do you um, take that forward within organisations then and, and, and at an individual level? Yeah, so simplicity, it's kind of a um, paradox really because simple isn't necessarily easy, simple is often hard, but it, it, it's very similar, it's a consistent thread to the other two, but, but it's about where there's a lot of noise, it's drilling down. So, so rather than us as a team or you and I as, you know, if you're my client, rather than having many things to think about or identify, let's really get to the crux of what is the priority. Let's simplify it. Equally, we can apply it to the process rather than overcomplicate it, which we tend to have a bias toward. Let's just simplify it. Or what is the particular problem or challenge we're having at the moment? 
it's this, but could it be that? Could it be that? And 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 you know better than I. We can unpack that, and go yeah. through why's and understand it to get to a point of really the challenge is this. And, and again, and, and I know you know this, Tony is quite often when, when I have conversations with people from the outset, what they believe or what their perception of the real challenge or issue is, quite often as we experience and get down the line, it's not, it's something else. Yeah, exactly. You know, so just to get to that point of it's simple in our understanding of it and it gives us a simple approach to say what are our next actions rather than me go away and be overwhelmed set yourself up to win and think right simple next action steps this this and this are we all clear on it what does it mean how do we do it yes 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 keep it simple yeah i think it's it, it's it's very interesting that and, and you know you can pick up different ideas and different approaches from from different areas and uh, I remember doing a, a, a way back really early on in my career, uh, a sales course. And um, uh, one, one of the key things that came out of there is that um, when, you, when you're progressing through the sales process, um, you, the person that you're speaking to will raise objections. But very rarely will they raise the real objection. They'll raise other stuff and you've just got to keep peeling back those objections to get to the real one. Um, and yes. you might have to take, and, 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 and they use the analogy, you might have to strip off five or six layers of the onion to get right to the core yeah. issue. But you've yeah. got to do that. It's, a, it's part of the process. And that's the same in, in anything. Because yeah. you know, we, 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 when we're delivering transformation, actually, we're selling the idea. We're selling the vision of the future. It's a sales process. And people will raise objections as you go along. But very rarely will they raise the real objection initially. They'll just right. throw stuff out, which are almost detractors. Um, and, and a lot of times, if you're not careful, is you'll try to respond to that and do lots of work and go down rabbit warrens all over the place to respond to those first areas. And then you know, three months later, they'll come back saying, actually, the real issue is X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And we all do that, don't we? That's just the way we're wired and, and, and we'll do it. I, I do it myself. If I go and have a session with a coach or a mentor, I, I've overcomplicated it in my own head. It means this, it could mean that. And there's all these challenges and, and brilliantly, he can essentially just ask a very, you know, catalytic or thought provoking question. And by the end of it, I realise it's not really that complicated, is it? I've just overcomplicated it. So no, absolutely. But it is, yeah. it's that it's that having that ability to really get in into the detail um, and, and keep probing and, yeah. and, and stripping back those layers. Yes. Um, um, and you'll get to the core issue. Um, and, and certainly, the, you know, I, I know in my, in my career that, that some of the biggest successes I've ever had in, in, around changing people's, you know, real negative people into the biggest advocates of the programme. It's when yeah. we've been able to do that and get down to the real core issue. You then resolve the core issue and they become the biggest advocate. Mm. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, we, we, we tend to ask two core questions, really. Um, you know, I think it'd be, I, I suspect I might know the answer on, on, on the first one. Transformation programmes change in any arena, uh, but in organisations in particular can be quite stressful. And it can be stressful for the people that are leading the transformation. It can be stressful for the people that are receiving, or or, or being, you know, receiving, being seen as being receiving the the, the, the change in the organisation. Um, yeah. And um, you know, 
there's lots of the, the impact of stress can be significant as we all know so yes. uh, we, we tend to ask a question you know what do you do to alleviate your stress um, and and you know how, is there any lessons in there that, that, that other people can, can, can look to adopt yeah uh, it, it's a great question and, and, and I completely agree it, it can be very stressful uh, going through that myself so, so I can see it from both sides as a business owner and, and a coachy um, because we're asking people to be uncomfortable aren't we essentially and, and quite vulnerable at times which for a lot of us is uh, the last place we choose yeah. to go but that's where the growth comes so the discomfort is there and, and I've had to learn that too so um, in, in terms of my own kind of uh, detachment and how I switch off as I said before um, outdoors for me um, I, I don't tend to, to ride my bike as much as perhaps I used to um, I, prior to, to lockdown um, I would go <coughs> Um, hiking at least once a month if not twice up to the Lake District tend to and I would do that with uh, a client who's become a very good friend as well now so it was kind of work but it wasn't work um, but it was just that space to think and switch off and obviously you've got no phone and I wouldn't have a phone anyway um, so and, and exercise exercise is a really key part of what I do um, for my own sanity if nothing else and routine and structure I read a lot um, and I like movies and I think it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people and it's, I know it sounds pretty trite to say, but I genuinely love what I do. And, and in some ways, part of my own stress management is doing what I do because I understand things a little bit better. But, but generally, exercise, getting outside and spending time with, with good people and having good conversations really is, uh, is, is the only formula. I, th I think it's interesting. So many people, when we ask that question, um, the common theme or the common themes uh, exercise and getting back into nature and, yeah. and, and obviously combining the two is what yeah. I, what most people do uh, walking yeah. cycling running uh, yeah. are, are the most common responses to that question to be fair yeah well the, the biology is there isn't it the evidence is there the science supports all of those things psychologically biologically as to why all of those yeah. things and and I think nature because it's just primal it's part of our evolution isn't it so to connect with you say trees or water why wouldn't we do it? And we're very blessed, aren't we? Particularly in the Northwest. So why yeah, not? Absolutely. So um, final question then. Um, we ask everyone, um, if you uh, had to have one core takeaway um, that you would, in, in every situation, always look to, to, to sort of apply one core lesson, what would that be? Um, it's a great question, and, and I get asked this a lot, actually. I got asked the other day for some takeaways. Uh, can I cheat and give you two? Um, you can do. I might edit one of them. <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> I'd, I'd give you two just because I think I've mentioned them anyway. So just as a recap, number one would have to be ask better questions yeah. for, from young people that I work with in sport to me, little boy, to me, to all of us. I think that's so, so important at any level in anything that we do. And the other one, as we've spoken about, it's just that idea, set yourself up to win set yourself up to win on a daily basis the way you think what you do you know you're so much more empowered if you set yourself on your terms so those would be the two that, that I think I've seen the most impact and benefit for, for clients to take away yeah it's, it's interesting on the second one as well I've just been um, being accredited or getting getting going through the accreditation process to be a GCologist um, which is looking at the uh, the GC index which is a tool that um, helps people as an individual to understand where they can deliver maximum impact in an organisation. 
and where the oh. energies are uh, and then relates that into the team environment and the organization perspective so yeah totally agree with that it's uh, yeah if you, if you can set yourself up to succeed you're in a good place yeah, and I think people can do it. I think if we buy into other people's expectation, again, we're not leveraging our own ability because you or I can have a really good day on our own terms, can't we? If I decide to be happy today and have a good day, I can, but very simply. So, um, yeah. And, and, and we've all come across those people that choose the other way. And it's, of course. And, and it's frustrating, isn't it? So, yeah, it is. So it if is. We, if yeah. we can all go into the into the new day thinking that I'm going to make this my best day, then I think we yeah. all we all live a happier life, don't we? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you very much for your time, Colin. That was really good. Uh, I think, as I say, it was as I said at the start, it was always going to be a different type of of show. This one, um, but I think you brought out a number of uh, of different ideas uh, that people can apply. Um, when they come across the, the challenges that we, we, we live day and night and day with as we deliver transformation. So thank you very yeah, much. Brilliant. No, thank you, Tony. Good to speak to you. Brilliant. Thanks, Colin. That was really good. Uh, I'm really grateful um, to have a completely different view on the way to deliver change and transformation and unlocking the potential of, of the individual within the change and transformation team. The next show in a couple of weeks' time will add to this by demonstrating that there's not just one way um, to deliver change and transformation, and we'll have a slightly different approach covered uh, in the next show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave some feedback. It's great to hear stories on how you are looking to adapt some of the messages that we have within the uh, podcast. And if you haven't already, take a look at the Transformation Leaders Hub. We've just um, moved on to a new platform, really engaging platform that allows you to really build connections with your peer group and other people that are living and breathing changing transformation. So take a look at that um, if you can and it'd be great to take us up on our offer as a, as a free trial and, and, and experience it to the full for 30 days completely free. With that, thank you very much again to Colin and I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Bye.